Welcome everybody to the Lodges Podcast. This is a gaming and esports podcast where we host streamers, pro esports players, business professionals, and other people who are working in the gaming and esports industries. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning back in. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. For all our returning listeners, it's great to have you guys back. We have another amazing episode planned out for you guys today, jumping into the law side and the legal side of the industry. And so it's a a new take that we'll have and it's a fresh take. I think you guys will be excited to hear it. But before we jump into it, I want to give a quick thank you to our sponsor for this episode, which is LabelAid. They are a custom label company established in 1976, trusted by clients around the globe to deliver durable, precision label products at competitive prices. Their custom labels utilize screen printing digital printing and flexographic printing to achieve the look and performance you desire their digital printing includes graphic overlays panels nameplates labels and decals so if you're a team organization or individual imagine creating your own graphic overlay for your drone your logo colors and design can be created as graphic overlay and have your drone shooting content in style if you have a fitness room in your content or team house imagine decking out your treadmill in that same design to add that extra element of customization to your fitness room to find out more about label aid and the products they offer you guys can click the link in the show notes below and it will direct you to their website so again big shout out and thank you to the team over at label aid that has sponsored the last couple of episodes thank you guys for doing the giveaway we gave away a pro uh we gave away a scuff controller to a listener so that was awesome i think a lot of people enjoyed the giveaway so a big thank you to them um with that being said, I won't hold it up any longer. We're going to jump into this episode with Justin Jacobson. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So with that being said, this is The Lodges Podcast up next. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. This is episode 34 we have, as I say, I feel like every episode we have another incredible guest with us, but still always excited to have people on and especially this guest because we've yet to have someone who works in the law space come on the podcast. So with us today, we have Justin Jacobson, who is the vice president of the Jacobson firm in New York City, who specializes in esports and entertainment. He's an attorney. Uh, so Justin, I know we're just chatting. I'm super pumped to have you on. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to get on the show. Definitely. Well, I know. So we were just talking. So I know we, we have a bunch of things we want to jump into. But before we get into specific topics, if you want to give us a quick three to five minute rundown of your background story, who you are, where you're from and all that jazz, I think that's a great place to always kick it off with. Um, so yeah, so you know, I'm from born and bred New York. And now I've been an entertainment and I would say sports attorney for almost a decade now. And in the last three to four years, I've really kind of expanded into esports and professional gaming, representing you know professional gamers, streamers, um, teams, and organizations, as well as you know gaming peripheral companies, and really helping them with all their legal matters, such you know contracts, trademark, and other IP matters. We've been helping players with their visas to you know be able to play in different countries, as well as kind of general business and tax stuff, so that they understand what they're doing. We also help a lot of these individuals with their contracts so that, you know, they do the right thing. Yeah, which is definitely uh, an important step to take. So, um, 
Well, before we, and I was going to ask you this, I wanted to just, just for a minute or so, if you want to, if you want to talk on this, you know, the coronavirus is going around, we've got all this stuff happening. Is there anything on the legal side that you're seeing right now that's causing maybe issues that people wouldn't have seen coming either from like players or teams or leagues or anything like that, that you've come across so far? I mean, if you look at social media, it's like, we're not getting paid. We're not playing. There's no, you know, like, it's just a mm-hmm. lot of missed opportunities because stuff has to be rescheduled or things that you thought were going to be in person are no, no longer because they have to be online. So say you're a brand who was expecting to have this interactive, like you're going to have these live players and all these people at the stadium and all this photo ops and this whole fan experience, but now it has to be online. So you spent all this time and money maybe building something around an Overwatch League home stadium for the last couple months. And now that's not happening anymore. So while you can try to do something online, the effect and the way you approach it is totally different. So, you know, Mm -hmm. now maybe you spent money on something or now you might have to pay the deposit on it, you might not be entitled to it. Like, you know, it starts to look into like what the governors and kind of your state declares, like whether it's a a declared an emergency where, you know, these force majeure act of God clauses come into play or is it kind of like, you know, did you have the right insurance? You know, I'm sure you probably are familiar with that stuff. Like, yeah. you know, if you're throwing an event, you might have had this insurance in case something like a disaster like this happened, where you have to kind of cancel your event because of things out of your control. So I definitely can see the big issue of people who thought they were going to be getting paid to do things now not. And then kind of more from like the marketing side of it companies that thought they were going to be getting these amazing opportunities. Like, you know, maybe they were the sponsor of an Overwatch team. And as part of it, they had this really good home activation. So yeah, you spent all this money to be on their Jersey, but you also were kind of paying for this being the the star of the show at the home opener, you know? So I definitely see that kind of stuff happening. Yes, yeah, so are you guys then on your you, – those are some issues that you guys are kind of dealing with then with maybe people you're working with or just hearing word of mouth? Yeah, I mean kind of both. There's definitely – especially if you're you know producing an event, all of these – like, oh, no, like now I can't do a live event anymore. Like how do I kind of evolve on this? Did I hire a certain you know, production company or staff or you know, say a DJ or a musician to perform at something? How is that going to affect stuff? So, you know, it's really mm-hmm. kind of looking at the contracts and kind of seeing the way these procedures are held, which, you know, really kind of goes into some of the other things where it's like you have to understand what your contract says. And while you may not think that something like this is going to happen, it happened. Absolutely. You know? Like straight up, like no one in their right mind thought that like Coachella and South by wasn't going to happen. But Coachella and South by are not happening. Right. Like, like, those are, like, things that have been through my whole entertainment career, like, I'm sure throughout yours, that are, like, these are staples within industry that companies spend millions, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars centered around these cultural experiences, you know? Mm-hmm. They're not even music festivals. These are, like, cultural experiences with food and art and, you know, yeah. a whole immersive, ex- you know, experience as much as I can say that. <laughs> no, definitely. I think, I think some people are going to have light shed on those areas where, you know, maybe you overlooked that. And again, I know that's your space. I don't know. Maybe people either didn't read their contracts all the way through or overlooked and maybe thought they had something they didn't maybe on the insurance side. But I think more than anything, this whole scenario is just kind of 
teaching a lot of us in all aspects. It's opening our eyes to things I think that maybe we hadn't thought of before. Yeah, and, you know, it might highlight the need for proper people that understand, like, wow, like, yeah, we really didn't think something like this would happen that you wouldn't be able to have this event because who would have thought? But, you know, things happen. And, you know, the world is crazy. So you can't predict the future. And especially if you're doing something months or years from when you're signing it. Like, yeah, you can predict what's going to happen in a week or two, maybe a month, probably. But like a year, six months, two years, five years, it's, you know, it's yeah. a lot hard to tell the future. No, definitely. That's that's a tough thing to do. But to your point, that's a good pivot. And to, to hop into the core of what we want to talk about today, which is, I think, really kind of on the, the player and team side and, and org side and all that. Um, but to just set the tone, what are you seeing? And I think this is a good place to start w- with your work and, and all that. What are you seeing right now? What is the current, I guess you could say, contract negotiating landscape as it is? You know, is it is it fair? Is there biases that we're seeing? Is there areas for improvement? You know, what is your, as much as you can speak on it, what is your kind of overall take with where we're at right now in, in correlation to between players and organizations? Well, I think that, you know, even before we even look at the actual contract, I think there's a real misconception, lack of understanding of the use of professionals, you know, an attorney, you know, an, an agent, some kind of third-party professional whose job it is to read contracts and to go through these things. Like, you know, if, so I've worked with players who, like, I went over a 30-page contract with them, spent two hours on the phone going through, like, oh, this is what this means, this is what we should negotiate for, this, that, and the third. And two days later, they're like, hey, man, like, I just signed the agreement. Like, the team's just like, we got to report, we got to go. And it's just like, being able to understand that what you sign is going to have actual implications long-term where, yeah, you think everything's great now, but tomorrow you have a pandemic and Mm -hmm. the money that you thought you were going to get from event appearances, you're not going to get that. You know, now you might have to worry, work about streaming and how you're going to make money on that. If you didn't have that set up or understood that, wow, something could happen where I'm not going to be doing X, Y, and Z. I'm, I'm a shoutcaster who's used to, doing 20 events a year, getting paid this much, half my events that I would have done got canceled. Maybe they're online, but like that, maybe they don't need a caster. Maybe they need less casters. Maybe they don't need the sideline reporter and the backstage reporter and the play-by-play person, you know? So these things can impact what you do when you sign. So to have someone in your corner that's like, okay, well, everything's great now, but what's going to be like in six months from now? What's going to be like in two years from now? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think to shed light on that, um, as far as, you know, players being rushed into signing a contract, because I think this is something that I hear a lot about or or read a lot about. So I'd love to get your take on it. Is that just because and I think it sometimes happens a lot with players that it's their first time, maybe it's their first organization and they're being signed as, as a streamer or a pro player. Do you think that's. It's sometimes just out of nervousness, out of fear that the the organization is going to pull back. Is it just not wanting to go through with all the professional, like you're saying, working with a third party? Or, or what do you think is is the main problem there? I think it's a few things. I you know I definitely think the lack of understanding of like, why do I need someone to look at this 20, 30 page agreement prepared by a lawyer? You know, if you're dealing with a T1 org by you know either Robert Kraft's lawyers or you know some of these other bigger law firms that are associated with these people, you got to realize that these contracts are usually built to protect the company. They don't really have the team. They don't really have your best interest at heart. You know, obviously they're not trying to rip you off, 
But, you know, certain things that if you had someone that'd be like, okay, well, you can maybe make this a little bit different. Or maybe there's some kind of check and balance. Or maybe there's a way that instead of it being 80, you know, 100 days notice, it's 30 days notice, you know. There's just ways to look at contracts and understand what you can negotiate for. And if you don't even realize that you could do it, you're not going to do it. You know, I do think that teams maybe are like, oh, just sign it, like, whatever. But that's not someone you want to really deal with. I think professionals and teams that are doing it the right way understand, like, yes, I want you to have a lawyer. I want you to understand what you signed. I'm not trying to rip you off. Like, we want Mm -hmm. you on our team. We want you to feel comfortable. Like, I think that that's the thing that I think people are missing. Like, yeah, it might suck to spend whatever it is to have a lawyer look over your contract. But if you, you know, like, in the worst case scenario, you become successful and really famous. And the contract that you signed actually matters. You know, that's what I kind of say to some of the music clients. Like, yeah, it's all great. You can argue about percentages and this and that. But, like, if you're never going to become a superstar and sign to Sony and do these mega things, then you're just spending time arguing about nonsense. So, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to understand that what you sign is going to hold weight. And if you don't kind of look at it that way, that you're a business, like, I don't know what I don't know. And it looks good to me, but, like, I'd rather have someone who really understands and explain to me just so I know. You know, I think a lot of the players that I deal with are kind of, you know, either having agents or just, you know, they have a little bit better understanding of, like, what's going on. You know, they might be signed to, like, the Pro Call of Duty Pro League or the Overwatch League, some of these more high-end salary minimum leagues where they understand that they're signing this 30-page agreement and that, it's going to really limit what they can do and what brands they can work with and what they can say and how they can say it and what they can post. And, you know, you really have to understand this stuff because if you start doing the wrong things, you could really cost yourself money or worse, mm-hmm. you know? And at the end of the day, you're getting paid to do something you presumably love or like really, you know, like it would be amazing to get played to play Call of Duty or 2K every single day or Fortnite if that's your game. So, you know, to to have that taken away or to have to be in this state where it's like, oh, I didn't do something I should have. And, you know, now they can drop me or cut my pay or and it's just like you should have understood what your responsibilities are. What could happen if you don't do things? Maybe someone could have came in and made it a little worse. Like I've seen some of these contracts where they could fine you up to half of your month's pay. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. (laughs) A lot. Like, like to me, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month and to take half of it, like, that's a lot. You know, if you're an NFL player, 20 Gs, 50 Gs, 100 Gs to you, when you're making three or five million dollars, 10 million dollars, 20 million dollars, it's not the same as, you know, a five thousand dollar fine when you're making ten thousand dollars. Right. And, and, and do you, and I don't know if this is too tough of a question, but do you see on the legal side that sometimes, Maybe people think that they have someone who can look over the contract with them that isn't a, isn't an attorney or really has an experience in that place, but maybe is a is a advisor to them or, or a guidance person to them, and they think that they can read it over, and that's where some of the mistakes get made because maybe they think they don't need a lawyer or they don't want to pay that fee to have someone who, who you know basically knows what they're doing do it for them. Is that an issue that you see kind of right now? Yeah, I mean, I you know, everyone knows a lawyer. I guess that's one of those things, or everyone knows a yeah. lawyer. So, but like, yeah, just because you're a contract lawyer, or a real estate lawyer, or you know, any of these other fields, doesn't mean you understand 
what's going on in the gaming world, streaming world, how mm-hmm. these different things work. Like I had like a pretty big lawyer reach out to me. He's like, you know, I, I do music and entertainment stuff. And we got approached by like a game, a video game to put one of our big clients music in it. Like, I don't know what to price it at. I don't understand, you know, like how does it work? And it was like, mm-hmm. I had to explain to him that like, yeah, like it's not like a, a stream where like every time someone plays it, you're going to get paid. Like you have to think of it as like, you're getting like a one-time fee in order for them to use it. Like your, your song that's on the back of a character when you select it isn't going to be that valuable because first off, people listen to their own music usually when they're gaming. Second off, you might not have the volume of the game on, you know? So like, third off, you might be talking to your friends in a party and whatever when you're gaming. So understanding that this is actually how people use it, there's no value in saying, okay, well, if 20 million people use this game, that means 20 million people are going to hear the song when they click over this character. Like, right. that's not the same. And he was like, yeah, like, that makes perfect sense. Like, but, like, he didn't understand that because that's not what he spent, you know, the last couple years and really understanding the way it actually works in the practical sense. Yeah, you had to provide that insight given that you work in the space and you understand the context of what's going on. Yeah, like you understand what it actually is in practice. Like, yeah, everything's yeah. great in theory, but like, what is it actually like on the streets? What's it like when you're actually being a pro gamer or a streamer or you're a team and you're dealing with franchise league fees and dealing with developers and signing players and getting them visas? Like, you know, these are all really important things that you need to do properly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I know you and I were chatting right before we hopped on here that, you know, sometimes those things aren't done properly, you know, and I know I sit on the other side of the table from you where it's, you know, the money and and savings and taxes and things like that. And a lot of the times it's people maybe just don't do it the right way. I I don't know if, and I'm learning. I've obviously not, I'm only about a year into this. I know you've got almost a decade into this. You have a lot more knowledge and context on it than I do. Um, But it's interesting because sometimes I think that, when you look at professions like a lawyer or the accounting finance side or the insurance side, I think those are all professions in the industry that that are important. Um, and, and definitely as esports and gaming continue to move forward are, are going to be needed. But I think that it's starting to become, I don't know if more accepted is the right word, but the the awareness of it, I think, is becoming a little bit more important as it's gone more mainstream. I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but um yeah kind of just what I mean, i've had with other conversations with people yeah i mean the question that everyone's asked me is like how are more people going to see the need how are they going to really understand it and what i would say is when someone they know that's huge gets really screwed when you know when ninja gets screwed out of this much money because he didn't understand something or didn't do something or you know i know you were mentioning the tfu situation where you know maybe signed an agreement that looked rosy and red when mm-hmm. you were this but now five years later two years later you're a freaking super mega star and you know, Ninja was doing what he was doing, but then Drake and Juju Smith and Travis Scott and, you know, he, the whole entire world changed. The whole entire gaming space changed when that happened. So right. it's like, how would he have, you know, if you're Luminosity, who Ninja was, you know, signed to as a streamer, how would you have envisioned him becoming this super mega star where, like, you know, Forbes had him making, I think it was, you know, 17 or $20 million last year. Yeah. Like, and that's what they could figure out, <laughs> you know, who knows how much money he was paid to do Mixer and, you know, some of these other things that's going on. 
Yeah. And, and so on that, because that was one of the things that I didn't know we wanted to talk about where you have this snare that a, you know, really a streamer, I think outgrows their contract, right. And they become bigger than what they were before. Like you're saying with Ninja or a Tifu situation, how do you guys on the legal side, you know, what is the best way to go about that? Like if you're approaching and I'm not saying to give out advice or anything like that, but how do you guys approach that situation? Because it is a sticky situation where, you know, you got someone that's blown up. They want more. The team already has a contract in place. You know, how do you guys go about that? I mean, I think, you know, during the negotiation, you have to almost hope and foresee that you might be successful. And maybe if, yeah, maybe they're not going to give you a lot more money salary initially, Maybe you have some kind of escalators or incentives where, you know, if I have this many concurrent streamers for this long or have this many followers or, you know, you have these milestones that are achievable but not, un, you know, incredible. But if they do happen, they'll really benefit the team. If, you know, you go from 10,000 followers to 100,000 to half a million to 10 million, like you're exponentially that much more value for the team. They now have 10 million more impressions they can have for their brand. You know, they now have a lot more they can do with you. And I think you just have to, you know, kind of goes back to my initial point of, like, understand that this is how these things work. That mm-hmm. all it takes is for, like, like, I have a player that was, like, playing with Ninja and Dr. Disrespect and Tim the Tatman, like, at the beginning of Fortnite. Like, right when mm-hmm. it happened. Like, that got him signed to, like, a big team and, you know, he's doing great. But, like, he would not have foreseen that back when he was a pro Overwatch player in Contenders. You know, he the contenders was what it was, and then he shifted to Fortnite, was able to link with some of these really big streamers in it, and then from just playing with them, he got signed to an org, and now he's a stream for them. So it's just like you could not have foreseen that, and if you built in certain incentives, certain bonuses, escalators, you might be able to provide for that. Where it's like, okay, you signed me, eighty twenty was fair, but now I'm much bigger. So maybe we do 35-65 on this much, 60-40 on these size deals, 50-50 on this. Mm-hmm. And that way you have someone who understands like, okay, like if I get them a six-figure independent sponsorship deal, we want 65% of that because the agent and whoever else is involved might have a cut. But like mm-hmm. if they're bringing it in solely and you wouldn't have gotten otherwise, maybe they get a bigger stream of that. So it's just really understanding how the industry actually works so that you can then plan for success, you know, like the same way. Can you plan for a pandemic is the same way you could prepare for success. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. And you kind of protect yourself on both sides where it's like, Oh wow. Worst case scenario. Like I can't do these events, but at least they could pay me a streaming fee and I get a streaming bonus when I do X amount of hours over it. So now you're sitting at home and you get an extra thousand dollars a month if you do 20 hours more a month and it's just like damn like my guy really took care of me like i'm getting an extra g because he put this in here like we never knew if it would actually matter but Mm -hmm. now it matters because there's nothing for me to do except stream all day right which is something you probably going back to our earlier point that's probably not something that someone that's just reading over contracts would be aware of um and I think that's a value added, right, on, on your guys' side. Yeah, like I've had clients where like I've gotten their salary and their percentages higher, and it's like I just earned my fee because I asked for it. Like I didn't. If you said you come with a thousand, someone and you go for a million, you're crazy. I mean, if they come with a thousand, you go for thirty-five or four. Like you're you're kind of in the, the general vicinity. Maybe they'll push down to you a little, but like 
you'll probably get more than you would have got if you just kind of asked for nothing or asked for something absurd. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the way I go with negotiations. It's like, as long as you're not extremely unreasonable in your request, where like they say a thousand, you're like, no, I need a hundred thousand or you know twenty thousand even. Mm-hmm. It, I think that it's always respectable, and you know that's kind of the way that I've approached negotiations. And like you said, like I've never been in a situation where someone pulled back, like, "How dare you ask for an extra thousand dollars a month?" Like, <laughs> you know, like, like if that's a honestly, that's a red flag to me. If you're like, "This is non-negotiable," you sign it as it is. Like, I don't know if that's someone you really want to get in business with, especially for right. a long period of time. Right, right. And I feel like if you don't have that guidance, that's a mistake that a really a young streamer can make, right? If you're just given an opportunity from a team or org that, that looks nice and they're given a contract like that and there's no negotiating that goes back and forth and they sign it, you know, like we've seen happen. I think people just think, wow, like I've got this opportunity, like I've been dreaming about this, like I've been working and grinding towards this and, and now I'm giving it to us. So I'm just going to jump into it. Um, and, 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 you know, given that a lot of these you know, guys and girls are younger. I can kind of understand that. But um, I think having conversations like this and, and having people like yourself speak about it definitely helps provide that education to for those that are up and coming. Yeah, I mean, it's important. Um, you know, just one related to that. It's like all the other talent-driven industries, music, sports, fashion, models, you know, photographers, all these people have, you know, agents and attorneys and accountants and CPAs and you know, these people who are helping them run, you know, their business and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't think about your music career as a business, but it is a business. You sell merchandise, you sell records, you go on tour and do appearances, you know, like you yourself as an artist are a business. And, you know, there are people specifically professionals who have tailored their career to helping these kind of individuals and understand what their needs are and what they need to be protected and how they would go about it yeah so it's go ahead so you know so it's nice that this is starting to catch up a little bit that people are really starting to see the need to have agents and you know i see all these agents popping up all these time and all these attorneys and you know everyone everyone's an esports lawyer now (laughs) do you you see that a lot on the legal side a lot of do you get a lot of phone calls and and messages of of lawyers trying to move into the space yeah, like I went to this event and there was like a bunch of like four or five hundred lawyers. Like, oh yeah, we're you know we're here just to kind of try to get into the space. Like, okay, like it's good. <laughs> I, but I think it's good because it really kind it of is. validates what I'm doing. Right, right. Do you a question I had for you, and this might just be good context for for people who are listening who might not know uh, to give us a little bit of context on this side. Is there usually on the teams or the players? And I know it might vary, but for the most part. Are you seeing more where they're represented with a lawyer or do you still see where obviously there's room for improvement to where you should, you would want to see more, I guess, on average? I mean, I would say that all the big orgs have, you know, real established lawyers, especially if you've got in one of these multi-million dollar investments. So like mm-hmm. if you're dealing with any of the franchise leagues or, you know, any of the tier one in any of their other games, CSGO, Fortnite, PUBG, they have lawyers that have prepared it. They may even have in-house guys who are dealing with the negotiations, or you may be dealing with their out-of-house counsel. Um, I would say some of the, a lot of the smaller teams, and this is a big thing, they're kind of not. They're kind of, maybe they're finding a, a contract online, or 
maybe they're kind of making some kind of makeshift one and you know they're really kind of not using it so that in the potential chance that they are successful and they do maybe one of their teams get wanted to get purchased by a bigger team or you know a player on their team shoots up and now wants to get signed somewhere else where they could have maybe made money got a transfer fee some kind of buyout because they didn't have paperwork or not strong enough paperwork they might have just cost themselves that you know it's definitely a very you know they're not really looking in the future i'd say a lot of the smaller teams you know Mm -hmm. not even kind of searching and protecting their name like a big thing that i've seen is kind of a lot of people not trademarking their gamer tag as a gamer but more so as a team because they don't want to spend the money or they just really like a team or a logo and a name and you know you're not doing the kind of due diligence to make sure you can own and use the name and the team name and all that. Yeah. And, and I think an interesting, and I want to get your take on this. Um, I think that, I'll, or what I've seen that I think we could improve on. And again, I'm not trying to be critical in any way. I know we're kind of hitting on some of the struggles, but I think it's important to, you know, have these conversations, but something that I sometimes think I see is that people don't want to spend that extra money to maybe do it the right way or have the resources to put there when it comes to professional services like this. And, and like you're saying, I think it's growing and especially as it's become more mainstream, but if just for you to speak on it, be a, a voice for it, how important do you see that for as just, a, you know, a basis for the industry to continue to move forward for things to be done correctly for it to be ran just like other entertainment, you know, industries, those correlations they have. How do you see that play out? I mean, it's a must. Like mm-hmm. I can't believe some of the things I've seen. And if you're trying to do this for real, especially if you're trying to maybe take a venture capitalist or one of these big investments and you're not doing things from real from the get-go, you're going to really jam yourself up. Like I saw a team, you know, their Overwatch team was purchased by a big org, right, went to get their spot. And like the guy just who was running the team just kind of threw these little one-page whatever agreements and then stuff fell through and then the players were supposed to get some money on the contract and because the deal went through he's like i can't pay you and they're like well that's not our problem and you know then they got lawyers and then i got involved and you know (laughs) months and months of back and forth of nonsense over this one piece of paper because he had to make things happen really quickly and wasn't like doing things properly from the get-go because he wanted to save money on honestly the thousands of dollars couple thousand dollars whatever it is cost him way more than that and it's right. just like I understand. Well, yeah, like to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a trademark to protect your name, like that's annoying. But if you go forward with a name and you get the website and you get a logo and you get jerseys and you start reaching out and going to tournaments, and someone has a similar name or somebody didn't like that, oh, you're what are you gonna do then? You get all these social mm-hmm. media accounts, you build them, like like the amount of money and kind of brand loss and time loss that you invest into that name is definitely not going to be $1,500 worth. You know, like, like it's just not going to ever balance out what you potentially could lose if you don't do it right. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that you got to realize is like, yeah, if not, if this kid's team didn't fall through and the sale went through, they would have got their money and life would have been rosy. But you know what? That didn't happen. You know, they ended up buying this other team and these other two players because the two players they had like those kids better and you know how the politics are. Right. So, you know, what you thought was a great payday 
actually doesn't become a great payday a week later. And as a result of that, you are now not a professional Overwatch player and you were supposed to be getting this salary and you have this quote-unquote contract, maybe, that says you get this salary if you do certain things. So it's like, if you would have gotten someone from the get-go, real attorney, someone who was doing this, to get mm-hmm. the players to sign the proper agreement, like 20, 30-page agreement, whatever it is, you would have had no problem. Everything would have been... In writing, it would have been signed. It would have been like, okay, you know, if the sale goes through, this is what you're getting. If it doesn't, you know, we're not in tight. We can drop you, whatever. You know, like, you can have whatever you want agreed in writing. But if you didn't even think about the possibility that things would go the other way, you mm-hmm. wouldn't have thought that you maybe needed to do this. Like, oh, obviously, they're going to buy this me. Like, everything's going to go good. Like, let me just get these kids to sign it just because you know just so that there's no way they can back out now mm-hmm. no and I, and I think the moral of the story is if you had just done things correctly from the beginning like you're saying you save yourself those extra thousands of dollars that then you know how to spend the time the energy um and and i just think that's so important to you know just if you're going to do it you might as well just do it right from the get-go yeah and like especially when you're like at the level of like what we're doing like it's mentally draining to be focusing on nonsense especially things Mm -hmm. that could have been easily avoided like like yeah like if you have a team name like you should make sure you can own that name and that it's clear and that it's not too similar to anybody else that would stop you because why are you going to use this name and slap it across all your players and you know wave it on a flag if Mm -hmm. you're not going to make sure you could really own it and protect it properly you know it just seems very short-sighted right Absolutely. Well, to pivot a little bit, because I know you also work in the entertainment space and for context on there, you work more. uh, I was looking up a little bit. Do you work more in the in the music industry or or what is your I guess your clientele in the in the entertainment industry? Well, yeah, you know, I definitely work. I was definitely born and bred in the music industry, worked at some labels at MTV, you know, managed a DJ for a while and, you know, have a lot of different producers and musicians and such. But I also okay. have some professional athletes, like some NFL players that I do some stuff with. And, Got you. you know, uh, I'm really into definitely the talent world. Got you. Well, then on the I wanted to hone in then on the music industry because I wanted to draw this correlation or, or get your thoughts on, on what correlations there are or aren't. Um, because I hear people talk about it, but I've actually never had a conversation with someone on the podcast about this. But with your experience, you know, I think a lot of times we hear people draw connections between the music industry and esports or the entertainment industry and esports because obviously esports falls in there. What commonalities do you see? Um, obviously, the music industry is, I think, way more established and all that. What correlations do you see there that that fall into esports that maybe we could learn from? And then, what are some things that you think are maybe common misunderstandings between the music industry and the esports industry? Well, I definitely think, and what's really nice about it and what kind of really attracted to me to it was that this very personality and, you know, creating this marketable brand and the same music and esports and gaming. Like, it's all kind of based on them. You know, your band name, your DJ name, your dead mouse with your hat, you know, your marshmallow with your marshmallow, you know, your ninja with your headband, your doctor disrespect with your whole attitude. So it's like there's a lot of similarities between kind of the personality and market, market marketing-driven worlds mm-hmm. than maybe some of the other ones. Like, I was talking with someone else about, like, yeah, like, you're an athlete, you're really a lot judging your 
performance on the field. Like, yeah, you can be the coolest, funnest guy in the world, but if you're the third string D-back for the worst team, you're probably not going to be as influential and be who people are looking to as an influencer than, you know, all-star player, superstar running back, quarterback, etc. So it's like a lot of the music world, yeah, we love the best rapper and the best artist and whatever, but you're also attracted to them because you love their style and fashion. You love, you know, the presentation and their live performance. Like, Fish is an artist that always, like, they've never had, like, really radio hits, but they sell out the garden every New Year's, like, days in a row. Like, it's nothing. Like, I know people who go to it every single year, and it's just, like, an amazing experience. You know, the same way kind of the Grateful Dead was back in the day. So while, you know, you're focusing on the product and the performance in theory, you're also attracted to themselves, their personality, what makes them unique. You know, like some yeah. of the biggest difference between pro gamers and streamers is that streamers aren't at the level of these pro gamers. Like a pro Overwatch player could destroy an Overwatch streamer in a competitive situation. But right. the streamers are fun and energetic and have good sounds and, you know, good conversations and, you know, whatever people like about them. They wear cool costumes or what has so <laughs> just, you know, PewDiePie is always the one I think about. Like he has his, the way he enunciates and says things and that's what people love you know, these different catchphrases. So that's one of the really the biggest differences, but also the similarities between, you know, the music world and, you know, the gaming space. Yeah, no, and I think that's a great point because I think when we're talking on the streamer side, I do think a lot of people, the way that they relate or they find their favorite streamer is, like you're saying, you know, what's their style? What are they into? What's their personality? Like Nick Merckx is my favorite streamer, and I can tell you it's 100%. Because I love the way I love what the guy's interested in. I love the way he acts, you know, all those sort of things, and and I think that's what draws you to those people. So yeah, I th- definitely think that connection between the music industry and esports is is interesting. And I think you could say that about you know traditional pro athletes as well. Um, is there any misunderstandings you you ever hear people talk about, or, or do you think are important to talk about between music and esports? Is there anything that you think really separates them? I know obviously. There are two different industries. We get that. But is there any misunderstandings you see come up? I mean, I think that you just have to realize that, you know, the music industry has been around for a long time and it's really evolved. It's, you know, back from vinyl and LPs to CDs to downloads to streaming. And, you know, there's a lot of evolution and having to deal with that has, you know, really hit it hard. And it's kind of really changed it. Whereas I feel like gaming has kind of always been this online virtual world where, yeah, it's getting better and everything's getting bigger and bigger, but it hasn't really had to like deal with the changing times, I guess, and adapt mm-hmm. to it and, you know, see kind of who survived Napster and LimeWires of the world and, you know, what labels can figure out how to monetize new things. Like, you know, I've worked at a bunch of indie labels and it was all about this thousand true fan theory where if we get a thousand people to spend a hundred dollars a year, we hit our six figures, you know, whether it's a merch and a CD or a live performance or, you know, a whole bunch of different things. This is how we're going to approach the music industry. This is how we're going to build artists. This is how we're going to do our new business model. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, esports is just getting bigger and bigger and it's like, you know, franchise like league, I guess is 
a pretty similar concept where they're trying to take this traditional competitive scene, whether it's tournaments or like, you know, a relegation kind of tournament system and just be like, okay, we're going to have a New York team, a Boston team, an LA team. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. just going to always exist and we're going to play against each other. And that's what's going to happen, you know, and now they're going to kind of see how this evolution works and who does it properly, who succeeds, you know, really see what happened kind of with infinite and optic gaming, like, they were trying to do this grandiose big thing, have all these academy teams and a League of Legends and, you know, just all across the board. And things didn't work out. And, you know, whatever happened, happened. And they had to sell off their one really prestigious team so that they – and it's really just to buy the slot, you know. So mm-hmm. it kind of was like they tried to do something, tried to evolve, and clearly it didn't work out as they thought. Right, right. No, and I think there's so much evolution, like you're saying. It's still the esports industry has obviously been around, but I think it's really starting to grow at a faster rate. And I think there's so much evolution left for it. So, like you're saying, for the music industry that's that's been around there long and that's kind of gone through some of those phases, I'm personally just really interested, as well as I'm sure other people are, to to see how that pans out over the next you know five, ten, twenty years. So, um, definitely will be interesting to watch. Um. I, I want to hit real quick. I know we're trying to to go about 40 minutes here, and this is going to put us over about five minutes or so, but I know you have Worldwide Just. I have a huge interest in the 2K League lately, have had the opportunity to highlight some people in the 2K League, so it's really grabbed my attention and, and kind of become my favorite league to follow. So I did want to chat just for you know four to five minutes here about it. If you just want to tell us real quick what Worldwide Just is, um, I believe you, you were the founder of it. Uh, and if you aren't, correct me, but just chat on it for a little bit and, and let us know what it is. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess that's like my gamer tag. And it's kind of, I call it, it's like, you know, the competitive 2K scene world. And I've kind of just wanted to kind of be a, um, a resource and for the community, whether you're this buying NBA 2K player. And I really kind of like to retweet and provide content. I've written some articles, you know, draft tips and mm-hmm. just kind of really taking, you know, a GM or someone else in the industry saying something important and kind of bring it to your attention. And kind of whenever any media outlet is talking about the league or 2K in general, I like to kind of give it a little spotlight because, you know, it doesn't always get as much shine as it should. Mm-hmm. And being that I'm from the more, you know, mainstream world, people are kind of looking at what I'm doing and it's a way for me you know I also have an affinity for the league and 2k in general so it's a nice opportunity for me to try to shine something that I'm passionate about yeah you know, and everyone and everyone had all their cool names and I just felt like I needed to kind of join in the party I, I like it worldwide just sounds slick I mean I'm with it and I like the logo and the design it's all clean crisp I like it a lot um, but I agree with you. I do think as I'm starting to learn more about the league, I do notice that it seems to get highlighted, obviously plenty with people that are within it, but I don't see enough people outside of the league, whether that be news outlets, individuals, uh, people with voices speaking enough on it from the outside that are separate from it. So it, it's cool to but see I, that you have that. But I will say that I'm giving credit where credit is due. Jeff Eisenbad and Jeff Garcia, the Spurs, as a reporter, have really been on that bandwagon. Like, they've been really giving a lot of exposure to the more traditional sports and esports outlets. People that right. are kind of Darren Rovell's really taking a look at the league because of the stuff that Jeff Eisenband and them are 
kind of tweeting out and bringing mm-hmm. to their attention. So I, I think it is important that people like that are acknowledged for their contributions because it is important. No, absolutely. Jeff is actually so just to look forward. Jeff is actually coming on at the end of this month, and that's one of the huge things I want to talk to him about because I do know that he is one of the people that actually is a big voice for well, it. Oh yeah, tell him so. that Justin gave him a shout out. <laughs> I'll let him know that, that you mentioned it. Um, but no, that, and I think that's a good point. I would love to see a lot, a lot more of what Jeff does because I think he does an incredible job. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's a real cool league, and it's cool. I saw you were interested in it and, and had this, so I definitely wanted to chat on it for a second. Yeah, I, I pretty much was at the studio almost every week for, like, the last two seasons. It was conveniently, like, 10 minutes from my apartment. So it was just, like, hop on in, go check it out. You know, yeah. Kind of just – it was nice because, it, it's you know, you're really close to the players, and, you know, it was a nice studio experience. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I know now it's – Season three is postponed, so we'll kind of see where things go from there. Right. Yeah, no, maybe maybe you and I can have a, a part two sometime soon, and, and maybe we can just do a Just 2K episode because th- I think that would be a fun conversation to have with you. Definitely. Um, but that pretty much wraps it up, Justin. I, I seriously appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with us about all these interesting things. Uh, it was really cool to hear about and to get a little bit more perspective from someone that's in it and, and that's been working in it and that can provide that knowledge. So thank you for coming on. Uh, what is the best place for everybody listening to find you out on social media? Um, so follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, Justin J E S Q. My DMs are open, so if you know, I have a question or you just want to chat, I'm always down. Feel free to shoot me a message, and you know, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. And and uh, for all you guys listening, his social links will also link them. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you'll be able to click on his link and go straight to him. Um, but with that being said, thank you guys all for tuning in. If you're a new listener, really hope you guys enjoyed this. For all of our returning listeners, seriously, thank you guys so much for the support. Couldn't do it without you guys. And with that being said, we'll see you next week for another episode of The Lodges Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this. You can find out more about Lodges by searching on Instagram at Lodges underscore financial, on Twitter at Lodges, on eFuse at Lodges, and on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Juan Rodriguez, J-U-A-N. Following on socials is the best way to be kept up to date with podcast updates and information. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.